This is the MTA Podcast, episode 375. Thanks to the Richmond Marathon in Richmond, Virginia for sponsoring this episode. It takes place Saturday, November 12th, 2022. It'll be the 45th running of the marathon, so it's a great year to take part and join the celebration. Register now at richmondmarathon.org. Be sure to beat the April 1st price increase. That's richmondmarathon.org. Thanks to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. Their cutting-edge algorithmic engine will analyze your blood, DNA, and lifestyle habits to guide you to your goals with actionable recommendations. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to go the distance. In this episode, Coach Angie answers a question from a discouraged runner and shares statistics, tips, and hope on dealing with an injury so you can keep doing what you love. And to get more answers to your questions, find out how to join the Academy where we have all of our premium courses, content, and support. You can become a member when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So Angie, today I officially started my marathon training plan for the Mount Blanc Marathon. I'm actually using a trail marathon plan from the Academy, one that you created. So it'll require lots of hill runs that I'm sure I will be too lazy to do. But uh, anyway, excited. I'm exactly 20 weeks out from my marathon. That is exciting. How's your training going for Boston? Yeah, it's going pretty good. I am cautiously optimistic that nice. <laughs> I can beat my Boston time from last year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and if you're going to be at the Boston Marathon this year, I know it feels like we just had the Boston Marathon. <laughs> because we did. <laughs> if you're going to be at this year, 2022 Boston Marathon, uh, shoot us an email. Let us know. We're support at marathontrainingacademy.com. Let us know if you're interested in uh, hanging out either before or after the race. So before we jump into today's episode, let's give some shout outs to people in the community. This comes from Andrew in the Academy. He says, I had a great experience at my first road race in three years. It was a 5K that I didn't specifically train for, but it was so much fun. I came in 10th overall out of 369 participants, and I took second in my age group. I'm happy to say that I achieved my A goal of finishing in under 20 minutes with a time of 1940. I'm very excited to get back to road races, and hopefully after my Spartan 50K, I can start doing a bit more of that and set my eyes on those long-distance races again. Awesome. That's good to hear. That comes from Andrew from Australia. This comes from JJ. She says, I recently finished my 1,000-mile challenge in 314 days. I'm now running several miles a day without much angst, and I guess I've reached the point where I almost have to do a half marathon before I turn 50 in October. Running has been a great distraction for me in these crazy times. I completely love this medal and hope to visit the real Sistine Chapel someday. <laughs> That's the medal that we had for the 1,000-mile challenge that has God reaching down to touch Adam's finger. It's called the Creation of Adam on the Sistine Chapel by uh, Michelangelo. But instead, we made one called the Creation of Running, where running shoes are being handed down to Adam. He also has the MTA podcast um, <laughs> and a hydration <laughs> belt covering his unmentionable places. It's pretty funny. 
This email comes from Vince. He says, hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for feeding me endless knowledge to get me prepared for my very first marathon. I competed in the Clearwater Millennium Marathon last weekend, which includes three bridges that we looped twice. I told myself before the race that I wanted to enjoy every single mile, and so I did. I placed 23rd out of 285 participants and finished the marathon in three hours and 35 minutes. I'm very elated to say the least. I listened to you guys and banked my energy early on, focused on a negative split, didn't bonk in the last 10K, and had a strong finish. I will forever be grateful for this experience, and I couldn't have done it without you two. I'm proud to call myself a marathoner now. Cheers to many more races. Wow. Congrats, Vince, on a well-executed first marathon. Maybe you have the marathon bug now, and uh, (laughs) you'll keep running more of these races. Sounds like it. And a listener named Chris sent this in. He says, hi, Angie, I love your podcast. It's been a mainstay in my rotation for years. I was recently able to run and win the Louisiana Marathon. Thank you for all you do for the running community. You and Trevor provide a lot of hope and encouragement, especially in these last few years. And he sent along a news article that said that he broke the tape in a time of two hours, 38 minutes, and that was a six-minute PR for him. Awesome. That comes from Christopher Free, age 36, winner of the Louisiana Marathon. Thanks to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we should be patting ourselves on the back too soon. That's an email that we don't see that often. Someone just wins a marathon. (laughs) That's right. That's, uh, That's pretty awesome. Well, keep up the great work, everyone out there, taking action in your health, putting in the miles, also equipping your mind and heart for the challenges that long distance running can throw your way. Challenges like injury and potential injury. So we're going to dedicate this episode to dealing with injury. Angie has studied this issue and lived with this issue. (laughs) (laughs) So there's so much to share that we think will be very valuable. Let's go ahead and jump into that right now. So Trevor, as you know, many of the episodes that we do are inspired by emails and feedback that we get from listeners. And the particular question that prompted this topic of dealing with injury came in from Megan, and she asked the following. The email says, question for Angie. She's been dealing with the hamstring injury. I'm curious if she, in hindsight, feels like she did something wrong that could have prevented this injury. Hindsight is 2020, but would she have done anything differently? For someone who has all the tools and knowledge to prevent injury like you guys, to still get injured is disheartening to me. I like to think that if you're smart, you can be an injury-free runner, but I guess that's not the case. I am dealing with a debilitating posterior tibial tendon dysfunction that will likely never go away. Wow, thank you for the email and the question, Megan, and you know, you could definitely hear the discouragement in her voice and I guess maybe a little confusion too. I mean, if people look up to you, Angie, because you've done so many marathons and are a nurse and a running coach and all that, but yet you still battle this hamstring issue. So what does it really mean to be an injury-free runner? And is it possible? Yeah, we're going to dive into that today. And we're definitely very sorry that Megan is going through this long-term injury. Um, Sometimes when you're in the midst of injury, it can seem like maybe there's even no road out. Um, And I do wish that there was a magic formula that we could all follow to avoid injury. Unfortunately, like most things in life, there isn't a one-size-fits-all prescription to be 100% injury-free, even if you're a running coach and even if you podcast about marathon training. So we'll put that disclaimer out there right away. (laughs) 
Um, back in September of 2020, I did a 50 mile race and I started having left upper hamstring pain about halfway through. I continued the race with a combination of running and walking, but the hamstring got progressively more painful. It cramped up completely and it was very stiff. And so maybe here's where hindsight could have jumped in. The safest thing for me would have been to drop out of the race at that point, but I decided to finish. Maybe there's some of my stubbornness kicking in right there. Um, After the race, I had about a week of hamstring discomfort, but then the pain disappeared and I resumed running and everything seemed normal. Unfortunately, anytime I ran further than 16 miles at a time, the hamstring would act up again. And I was still able to do my virtual Marine Corps marathon that fall, but after I did it, the hamstring felt tight and stiff. So I probably did too much too soon at that point. So I realized I needed to be more intentional about healing up this area, and I tried a combination of things, including modifying my running routine, massage, cold laser therapy, and physical therapy. And in physical therapy, we worked on mobility and hip and hamstring strength, and I did feel a lot better. In fact, it seemed like the issue was gone. Fast forward to March of 2021, I did a very hilly half marathon, and I really pushed myself. After the race, I felt the hamstring pain return again, And during the rest of my long runs that spring, I battled mild pain, weakness, and cramping on and off, especially when I was running hills. So I was training for a marathon in May at the time. But things would calm down after, you know, I would make sure that my physical therapy was on point. So I decided to do the marathon in May. But unfortunately, the hamstring issue reoccurred at mile 10. And by the halfway point, I made the decision to walk the rest of the race so as not to further injure myself because I was signed up for the Boston Marathon in the fall. And I didn't want to exacerbate things any further. After the marathon, I reduced my mileage for around six weeks and continued my PT exercises, doing all the things that I knew I should be doing. When I started my buildup for Boston, everything was fine until my old nemesis returned during a hilly 15 miler. And a couple of weeks later, at mile 12 of an easy half marathon that I was doing. And I realized that did not bode well for doing Boston. So I got an appointment with a sports medicine doctor. He was supportive of me doing Boston and he put me on an anti-inflammatory to calm things down until after the race. And we also scheduled an MRI for after the marathon as well. Okay, so this was in October of last year. That's right. So Boston was in October and it actually went better than I expected. I had a good race, although I did walk the hills I finished a little over four hours, and I felt back to my baseline abnormal normal (laughs) within a week. Um, We did the MRI. It was of the left hip, and it showed the following. A minimally displaced tear of the anterior superior labrum, underlying subchondral cystic change at the acetabular rim, which is basically a little bit of osteoarthritis, and proximal hamstring tendinosis. I don't know what any of that is, but it's not supposed to be that way. (laughs) Right. So the doctor explained that the labral tear wasn't the cause of my symptoms and it wasn't anything to worry about. Apparently it's fairly common and mine was very small. In his opinion, the degree of hamstring tendinosis was not anything to prevent me from running, which I thought was good news. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) For somebody with a running podcast? (laughs) He said my recovery would depend more on the dosage of running, the type of route that I chose to run, like things like hills would exacerbate it, and of course, um, needing to listen to my body. He said that tendon issues are a fairly common injury for runners age 40 plus because our tissues are less hydrated and less elastic and they are slower to recover. So I realized that's why building in the appropriate kind and amount of recovery is going to be even more important as I get older. 
So after that diagnosis, I started another course of physical therapy and my goal is to get the inflammation down through dietary measures, supplements, and temporarily reducing my running. And we're working to continue to strengthen my hips, glutes, and hamstrings. And so far in PT, I've had some Graston treatments done, some active release therapy, and we've done some targeted stretching and strengthening. Okay, so I know that Graston is uh, kind of notoriously painful, right? It can be. They basically scrape your muscles. That's right, but very gently. Yeah, for those not familiar with Graston, it's a type of muscle scraping. And muscle scraping comes from an ancient Chinese technique using a tool to scrape the skin to stimulate blood flow. So the Graston technique is one of many instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilizations. They're often used interchangeably. There's some difference in technique and historical background. But IASTM, or the Instrument Assisted Soft Tissue Mobilization, is kind of the umbrella term for any soft tissue work that uses specialized tools to treat soft tissue injuries like my hamstring. Basically, it focuses on treating soft tissue such as muscle and fascia to break up scar tissue and improve mobility. There is evidence that using instruments to mobilize tissue can help improve scar tissue mobility and myofascial adhesions to decrease pain and improve short-term range of motion and overall mobility. So give us an idea of what it was like to go in there and have the Graston technique done on you. Well, I always have to show up in very short shorts because where my hamstring issue is, is kind of at the insertion point by my hip. Um, So every time I walk in there in the winter in my shorts, all the other (laughs) clients are like, why are you wearing shorts? Yeah, (laughs) And I'm like, there's no way they can reach it without shorts on. (laughs) Um, So basically you lay on a table and they kind of put some kind of spray on your skin to help kind of the tool glide better. Okay. And then they just use a variety of tools and they kind of just gently work it up and down in the area of your injury um, and, and also the surrounding tissues just to see if there's kind of any like grinding or crepitus type. Crepitus. That's a cool word. <laughs> it's a little bit crunchy in there. It's probably an area of like a collagen adhesion. So like your muscle fibers should be running in a straight line, kind of smooth. And a lot of times due to different injuries or lack of recovery or or possibly even mechanical gait issues, the collagen starts to clump up or kind of like more of like a spaghetti look. So you want the collagen to remodel into a more functional pattern. Um, So during one of my physical therapy sessions, one of the therapists noticed something unusual with my walking gait. And they referred me to a physical therapist who specializes in gait assessments. So I had a walking assessment done at first, which I thought was weird. Like, I'm a runner. Why should I be having a walking assessment? But basically, the computerized scan showed that I failed to roll through my big toe with my left foot. And that could be contributing to my left hamstring having to work harder, therefore being inflamed and injured. I later had a running assessment done, which showed the same thing. So on my left foot, I don't roll through the toe on push off. And now I have several exercises to address the fact that I don't walk or run correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could have told you that Uh, you walk too fast. No, it's not the speed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting, though, when I was having that done, it made me remember back to when I was a toddler, I actually had pigeon toes. So my legs... I remember that. You don't remember that. (laughs) My legs and feet, you know, toed in, and I had to have these special shoes with a bar to keep my feet straight forward. 
but I still kind of default to pointing my toes in and letting my legs collapse inward like if I'm standing at rest. So it's it's been a lot to kind of try to retrain myself from poor patterns that I've had over a lifetime. Okay, so because of maybe being pigeon-toed when you were a kid and still having a little bit of that curvature, it's affected your walking and running gait. It appears so, yes, especially on the left side. <laughs> Which has contributed to your hamstring issue. Yeah, that's that's what the physical therapist was thinking. Okay. I mean, there's no 100% correlation for sure, but all those things probably have contributed. Um, but thankfully, I did a hilly 14-mile long run um, just over a week ago, and my hamstring held up well. So I'm hoping that with a lot of these new exercises that I'm doing and awareness of the issue that hopefully we're off to a good start. All right. So there is some context about Angie's journey with dealing with her hamstring. And that provides us a good bouncing off point to talk about what is an acute injury? What is a chronic injury? Who gets injured? What are the risk factors and how to deal with it when it happens? Because we know a lot of runners, you know, through MTA, a lot of them that are doing high miles like Angie and almost everyone we talk to has that part of their body that gives them some trouble once in a while, whether it's their plantar fasciitis or their knee or a cranky glute. Doesn't seem that way, Angie, like almost every running friend who's doing marathons like has that one thing. <laughs> it does seem like that. Um, however, you know, we are talking to people who maybe have never been injured before. And obviously, we hope they stay injury free, but we want to give them knowledge and information um, to make appropriate choices with their running and recovery so that if they do ever, God forbid, get injured, they'll know how to deal with it, you know, in a more intelligent way. Awesome. So before we jump more into how to deal with injuries, we'd like to thank our friends at Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. Inside Tracker will give you a personalized plan based on blood work. So if you haven't got a blood test in a while, it's so helpful to get a look under the hood, so to speak. They'll send a technician right to your house, get your blood drawn. They'll send it off to the lab. You get back this amazing data with all of these biomarkers to show you where you stand with cholesterol and iron levels, testosterone, just so much great data to help you live a longer, healthier life. Yes, I try to get blood work done on a regular basis. And it's so helpful to get it done through Inside Tracker because often if you get it done at your local medical professional's office, it's just like a bunch of numbers and it's really hard to know how to interpret it. But Inside Tracker really dives into the science behind it and shows you exactly where your numbers plot on a graph um, from dysfunction to normal to you know too high, too low, all of the things. And then it gives you specific lifestyle and nutrition recommendations based on your personal results. Get your blood tested and get science-backed recommendations from Inside Tracker. Go to insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. And hey, you can get 20% off with our handy link, insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. All right, Angie, so let's talk about what is an acute injury, what is a chronic injury, and who gets injured? Yes, an acute injury happens suddenly, such as a fall, a sprained ankle, a torn Achilles tendon, a broken toe, or a pulled back or neck muscle. You can point to a very specific incident as the start of your injury. Maybe it happened when you stepped in a hole and you rolled your ankle. Trevor, that's one of your favorites, right? <laughs> oh, I've rolled my ankle so many ways. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you were playing basketball and you felt something tear. Interestingly enough, many acute injuries in runners don't happen while they're running. I can testify to that. And that's why acute injury often seems so capricious. It's like I wasn't even doing something risky. I was just going about my daily life and I broke my toe or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you can get injured just right at home. 
Uh, I heard about this one guy. Uh, he actually burned his foot because uh, he he liked to have bacon in the morning, so he put a Foreman grill in his bed. So in the morning, he can just throw some bacon in there, you know, have a nice bacon smell, but he accidentally stepped on it, had to hobble into work on crutches. You remember that? No, that's got to be fake. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fake news. <laughs> It's an episode from The Office. Okay. It was Michael Scott. I'm just seeing if you pick that up. <laughs> but people do get injured in some pretty freak ways. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now let's talk about what a chronic injury is. A chronic injury is something that develops over a longer period of time. It's also referred to as an overuse injury. At first, you may notice some mild pain or dysfunction that pops up occasionally, and then it may progressively become more common or get worse. Chronic issues often respond well to a short period of rest, but will often return without proper treatment. So like I said before, I wish there was some kind of guarantee that acute or chronic injuries wouldn't occur if you followed a list of injury prevention techniques. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And when we look at injury statistics, like you've kind of mentioned earlier, Trevor, they show that a majority of runners will deal with some type of acute or chronic injury in their running career. Various studies show that between 30 to 65% of recreational, or that's non-professional runners, will get injured in any given year. A recent study by the University of Gothenburg in Sweden found that 46% of runners reported some type of injury over the course of a year. Jay DeSherry in the book Anatomy for Runners states that 82% of runners get injured over the course of their running careers. So those were kind of some statistics about how many runners get injured over the course of a year and then also over the course of a lifetime. Although it's hard to pinpoint the exact numbers, the statistics are not encouraging. The two most vulnerable times for injury seem to be the first year of running and when you're a master's runner. Women are also at a higher risk because of weaker hip stability and a laxer musculoskeletal structure to accommodate childbirth. So let's talk about specifically new runners and aging runners a bit. The prevalence of injury is higher during the first year of running as your body adapts to the demands of training. When people start running, there's often a tendency to do too much too soon. You may get inspired by the feeling of making progress and you want to do more and more. Unfortunately, our cardiovascular fitness often develops before the bones, tendons, ligaments, and muscles are fully adapted. A Runner's World article about injury risk in recreational runners highlighted a study published in the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It says, quote, the most common injury locations were the knee, accounting for 27% of all injuries, followed by the Achilles tendon and calf area, representing about 25% of all injuries. Those with a previous injury were almost twice as likely to sustain a running-related injury as those without one. And unfortunately, a running injury early in your running journey may result in further injuries down the road unless you develop a practice of injury prevention. And of course, as someone who is injury prone, I know it's tempting to get lax about doing the accessory work of staying injury free when you no longer have that nagging issue. So it's, it's easy to slack off a bit when you feel better. And that's very normal. Um, so it's one of those things if you're an injury prone runner that you have to stay on top of probably the rest of your running life. When it comes to older runners, the occurrence of injury is also higher for master's runners because of things like decreased tissue flexibility, loss of muscle mass, and the need for more recovery. The aging process results in decreased blood supply and fewer reparative cells. Physical therapy doctor Ben Chateau says, quote, age seems to play a role as to which type of injury one may be prone to. For master's runners, those who are at least 40 years old, there tends to be a higher incidence of soft tissue injuries, particularly of the calf, Achilles tendon, and hamstring muscles. 
knee injuries seem to be common in younger runners. Regardless of age, women are more prone to stress fractures. Research has shown that most running injuries are multifactorial. This means that there is rarely just one cause to the injury. Being aware of the common characteristics and risk factors that may increase your likelihood of injury can help you to be proactive in avoiding injury in the first place. If you're an older runner, it may seem unfair that you have an increased risk of injury, especially if you enjoyed a long period of time being injury-free as a younger runner. But it's also very common that new runners are above the age of 40, which doubles the risk. So if you start running after the age of 40, you have the risk factor of being a new runner, plus you're also a master's runner. So it's really important to build in healthy habits early in your running life, no matter when you start. Another important thing to emphasize if you're an older runner is to not rush the process of building a solid running base before taking on more challenging goals. Your body simply needs more time to adapt. Yeah, we've definitely talked in more detail on the podcast about master's runners. But circling back to Megan's question, the the email that we started with, she says, I'd like to think that if you're smart, you can be an injury-free runner, but I guess that's not the case. So maybe we should talk about what is the case in your experience and what does it mean to be an injury-free runner? Maybe we should rethink and maybe even broaden our definition. Yeah, that's a good point. I think because injuries are so common, being injury-free often becomes kind of like the ultimate goal for long-term runners. And we often talk about those bulletproof runners with a special kind of awe. Those runners who seem to never get injured. Some runners seem to be able to do high volume, high intensity, and rarely take time off. Although I've noticed that many of those runners do end up dealing with injury as they age. Many of the prolific runners like Dean Karnazes or Mike Wardian have started to deal with more injury as they've aged. Now, Mike Wardian is a beast. I mean, I think that's like his nickname. But I follow him on Instagram, and that guy looks like just religiously does his strength training, cross training, mobility work, all of that stuff that you've been talking about. He looks like he really stays on top of it. Most of the videos are not of him running. They're of him doing core training. (laughs) That's right. And because of various issues that he's had to work through, he now just works with a physical therapist and has these very challenging routines to keep himself Hmm. strong and to stay injury free. So when we talk about being injury-free, it doesn't mean that you'll never get injured. It means catching issues early on and working to heal problems and to get stronger. There's also a big difference between injuries where you can't run and you have to take an extended period of time to heal and injuries where you still can run, but you're prevented from reaching a certain goal within your desired time frame. So I think obviously the most dreaded injury for a runner is often the ones where you can't run for a period of time. And those are often the acute injuries, things like stress fractures that you have to take time off to heal. However, one big cause of chronic injuries is denial. When we're in pursuit of a goal, dealing with injury is inconvenient. We'd rather keep training and hope it goes away on its own. And some issues do. So we kind of think, oh, well, this one thing went away and I just ignored it. So maybe this will go away too. So there's really a fine line between living in denial and having that wishful thinking about a problem, and on the other hand, being paranoid about every ache and pain, like neither thing is healthy. Mm -hmm. It's important to evaluate whether what you're dealing with is an injury or not. And we're often not very good at taking emotion out of the equation and thinking realistically about the problem. So to combat the problem of denial, remember that pain is simply information and information is power. Long distance running has a way of revealing underlying weaknesses in your body. And everyone from the most casual runner to Olympians all have weaknesses. 
So in just a moment, we're gonna give you four steps to knowing if you're actually dealing with an injury or if you're just dealing with something that is not gonna be a big deal. Before we do that, I'd like to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, the Richmond Marathon. Last year, I had a wonderful time running the Richmond Half Marathon. Met some of our amazing podcast listeners down there, in fact. I am stoked uh, to be going back to uh, run it again. The Richmond Marathon takes place, of course, in Richmond, Virginia, on Saturday, November 12th, 2022. It'll be their 45th year anniversary. They have great swag, amazing finish line area, just a big party going on, craft beer. Last year, the leaves were all you know still out, and uh, the fall colors were just everywhere. It's a top 25 Boston qualifier, mostly flat, nice little downhill at the end, finish right on the riverfront. Go to richmondmarathon.org. Price goes up April 1st. Love to see you at the Richmond Marathon. That's richmondmarathon.org. We'd also like to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. Athletic Greens is a health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. Yeah, I had a buddy um, message me last week. He's like, hey, I hear about Athletic Greens on all these podcasts. Is it really that good? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, we actually buy it with our own money. That's right. (laughs) AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category leading superfood product. And what's amazing is that they are constantly updating the product, working on making it better. One tasty scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. So just go to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. You can get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Give it a try. See why we love it. Athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. So Angie, we all feel pain from time to time when we train, but how do you figure out if the pain is something you should worry about or not? We have a lot of helpful information over on the MTA website about injury. And one really good blog post is by physical therapy doctor Ben Chateau. And it's really helpful when thinking through pain and deciding whether you have an injury or not. The first thing he advises is when it comes to pain, listen to your body. He says your body is sophisticated and complicated. Its ability to signal injury in the form of discomfort and pain cannot be underestimated. Pain is a potential warning signaling a problem. If we listen carefully enough, our bodies will inform us of our ailments. When it comes to knowing if we're injured or not, we have to listen. Another way to look at it is a trust but verify approach. The pain should give you pause. The second thing he advises is to look for any signs of injury. This would include swelling, discoloration, temperature spikes, trouble walking, difficulty placing pressure on the painful area, a change in your running gait, and sensitivity to touch. These are all indicators that something is wrong and a more formal diagnosis and rehabilitation approach may be indicated. Number three, if you feel pain for long durations of time, we're talking hours to days versus minutes, something is most likely wrong. Don't make the mistake of believing your pain will disappear on its own. Listen to your body and make a decision to address the pain. Don't continue to ignore it. And number four, if you find that the pain is not improving on its own and you're experiencing other symptoms of injury that we talked about earlier, like swelling, tenderness, or changes in movement patterns, then it's time to figure out exactly what type of injury you've sustained. Is this an overuse injury that slowly creeped up on you? What was pain caused by a specific episode, such as a fall? Start by analyzing the types of activities you've performed. Think about when the pain occurs and what activities the pain is associated with. 
Be aware that most running-related injuries are overuse or chronic in nature. This means that there is likely an exacerbating mechanical issue. The actual painful structure may or may not be associated with the root cause of the injury. Often overuse injuries are due to a muscle or strength imbalance somewhere else in the kinetic chain, which leads to pain and injury in different areas. This can also be true when poor running mechanics lead to pain or dysfunction. So listen to your body, look out for signs of injury, see if the pain continues longer than a day, and if it's not improving, it's time to look closer and and diagnose what type of injury you might have sustained. Another tricky question when it comes to injury is, should you stop running or just tough it out and keep going? Yeah, I think that's one reason why many runners put off getting a diagnosis is because they're afraid that they may be told to stop running. We don't want to hear that. I mean, I know I certainly don't. And unfortunately, many people advise runners to give up running, sometimes permanently when they're injured. This kind of advice can come from family members to medical professionals. You had some doctor tell you that one time, right? Yeah, a few years ago, I was at a rheumatologist trying to get answers about some joint pain and stiffness that I was having. And once he found out that I was a runner, he made it clear that running is a terrible activity (laughs) and that he only recommended walking, yoga, and swimming. Now, I respect the fact that those are all great activities, and they probably work best for most of his patients with severe arthritis, but it wasn't helpful advice for me, and I never went back to him. Howard Lux, an orthopedic surgeon and runner, says, quote, for most common overuse injuries, you need to stop running is a phrase I rarely need to use. Oftentimes, adjustment to your form and training loads will suffice. For older runners, understanding they occasionally need an additional recovery day is critical. Why do many docs recommend that you stop running? It is because many do not know the current research or literature. Many might use fear to try and stop you from running. We know that running does not cause arthritis. We know that many runners with arthritis can continue running. Runners need to seek second opinions often. Stress fractures of the hip, tibia, or foot are three instances where you could do significant harm if you continue running. But having to stop running is rarely needed to calm down most common overuse injuries. I like it. So other than exceptions like stress fractures, rest typically doesn't fix problems, which is why it's important to get knowledgeable professional help. In fact, prolonged rest may be damaging. The book Anatomy for Runners lists various body tissues and describes what prolonged rest does to each tissue. So for example, when it comes to bone, it weakens collagen structure and mineral density. For capsules, it shrinks them and increases resistance to movement. In ligaments, it decreases cross links and decreases tensile strength. For tendons, it disorganizes collagen and decreases tensile strength. In muscle, it decreases contractile proteins. And for cartilage, it causes swelling and weakens binding agents. So none of those are good things. The book Anatomy for Runners goes on to list some helpful advice from Dr. Bob Wilder to answer the question, can I run through an injury? He lists three rules for runners. Number one, on a 10-point scale, pain during the run should be no greater than 0 to 3. So think about your pain if you have any. Number two, pain should not be severe to the point where you limp during or following the run. Yeah, they say if it causes you to throw off your running form, then you should not be running because that's just going to cause more problems down your kinetic chain. Exactly. And number three, the long run should not be more than half the weekly volume. Be very careful with your running volume when you're injured. 
Physical therapist Jay DeSherry says, quote, instead of asking, can I run through an injury? A better question may be, how can I promote positive healing in the impaired tissue? The answer to this question is going to vary depending on your injury, the severity, your age, your overall health, and your goals. But he emphasizes that nearly every injured runner needs to take a look at their recovery, including sleep, their nutrition, cross-training, and figure out if they have biomechanical imbalances that need to be addressed. So it's really important that you find a physical therapist who has experience treating runners and because they're going to be an invaluable resource to healing. And thankfully, you've found and have assembled kind of a team here locally. That's right. And that's, you know, sometimes it's really challenging to find people that you trust and who understand your goals. Um, so one great place often is the local running store to find out who runners go to for injuries. Um, sometimes they'll warn you away from certain practitioners and recommend other people. Or they might say, injuries? What's wrong with you? We, we never get injured. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you get around runners, I'm sure they all have injury stories they could share. And they're all equally boring to non-runners. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes to the person who's not injured. <laughs> so we hope that this was helpful, that it gives you hope. You can perform on a high level. I think that's what you're doing, Angie. I mean, you've, you're not an elite runner, but for a recreational runner, I think you perform on a high level. And you've continued to do that for, for decades, but because you're that old... Um, <laughs> Maybe okay. one decade. <laughs> okay, one decade. A decade and a half. <laughs> a decade and a half. But it hasn't been without the struggle because you are a self-defined um, injury-prone runner. Hasn't kept you from accomplishing your goals, but it has slowed you down sometimes. That's right. But I will say, if you're an injury-prone runner or if you're dealing with an injury right now, the struggle to figure out what's wrong and to get healthy is worth it. Hmm. So don't give up. That's right. And in our next episode, we'll bring part two of this conversation. We'll go deeper into coping with the injury from the mental and emotional aspect and how to set yourself up for success in the recovery process. So stay tuned for that. That brings us to the end of this episode. By the way, um, we did uh, feature some quotes from Dr. Ben Chateau, physical therapy doctor. He has uh, a program inside the academy called The Resilient Runner, where if you're having a troubled area or an injured area, whether it's knees, IT band, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, all kinds of stuff. He deals with um, helping you self-diagnose and self-treat. We'll link to it in the show notes for this episode. If we can help you in any way, reach out. We have a contact form on our website. Always love hearing from you. MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Until next time, keep taking action. It is worth it. You have what it takes to overcome injury, run a marathon, and change your life. Right on my way, right on my way.